Well, I'm excited this morning, but also a little sad this morning because we're finishing out, closing this series out uh, that we've been calling Choose Joy. And what we've been doing in this series as we've gone through it is we've been taking a look at what joy is because joy is not happiness and happiness is not joy. And I think a lot of times in the church we get that confused and uh, when we're not happy we feel like we have lost our joy and vice versa. Uh, But, uh, you know, in the world that we live in what we've been talking about is that this world is trying to rob us of our joy. In so many different ways that that we've talked about over these past several weeks, uh, uh, sometimes a uh, uh, maybe a problem that you're facing can rob you of your joy. Maybe sometimes it's a, a financial situation. It could be a stressful time at job uh, on your job. Uh, you know, it could be a number of things. It could be a family situation that you feel like is robbing you of your joy. But we live in a world today that is deprived of joy. And that also includes a lot of people who profess to be followers of Christ. And the reason that I wanted to do this series, and you know, I shared with you when we started, this is something that Lynette and I uh, talked about, um, is that... You know, it seems so many people, and even people in the church, have lost their joy. And I wanted to talk about it from a standpoint of what God's Word says about having joy. God's Word tells us that in a relationship with God, that there will be a fullness of joy in our lives. We have a promise in God's Word that we will have joy in our hearts through a relationship uh, with God. Scripture also tells us that we're to choose joy, that we are to, uh, you know, want joy and to have joy in our lives. So why would joy be promised to us? Why would God's Word tell us to have joy if it wasn't possible? It is possible. It is a promise that God wants to keep to me and to you. And in week one, we learned that there's, there's great joy in having godly relationships and having relationships with people that are also followers of Christ, that you're journeying together with, uh, with Jesus. And, and there's joy in those kinds of godly relationships. There's also, in week two, we learned that there is joy in unity. There's joy when there's unity in the house. There's joy when there's unity in a marriage. There's joy when there's unity in the church. And we focused on uh, the, the fact that we must all be unified in our mission to go and make disciples, to love God, and to love our neighbors. That's the mission of the church, and we have to be unified in that. Will we always agree in how to do that? Will we always agree in what every scripture means to us? No, we won't agree, but we are to be unified in the things that are the most important and are the most significant. In week three, we learned that there's joy in getting serious about our relationship with Jesus. A lot of people profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but they don't have the joy of Christ in their heart because they've never really gotten serious about it. It's just kind of like almost a social thing that they do, a a social thing, or maybe, you know what, I'm going to do the minimum that I've got to do in order to be a Christian so that I will go to heaven. Right? And, and it's so much more than that. And, and the joy that comes from being serious in our relationship with Jesus 
and putting Him first in our lives, there's a joy there that can't be explained. And so we talked about that. And then last week we learned that there's joy in rejoicing. And we talked about basically the epidemic in our society today of people who are stressed out, worried, and anxious about things. And we, so we took a look at joy from that standpoint uh, last week. And, and I'll just tell you, I, I would encourage you, if you've missed any of these messages, especially if you struggle with feeling like you have joy in your heart, I would encourage you, go back, catch up, uh, listen to whichever ones you haven't heard, because I, I'll tell you, God used every single one of those messages, and not because I preached them, but because they came from His Word. Uh, it's just powerful stuff that I think we all need to be reminded of. And today, as we close out this series in this final week, we're going to be talking about uh, the great joy that we can have, and we're going to talk about the joy that we can have when we have confidence in God, when we have confidence in who He is, when we have confidence in what He's done, when we have confidence in what He has promised us, Friend, there's joy in that, and so that's going to be our, our focus today. And as, as I was preparing this, I, I was reminded of a story that I read not long ago. It was about a family who had adopted a five-year-old girl from Haiti. And the reason, and these people were from the United States, and the reason they had adopted this five-year-old girl is because she had lost both of her parents in a tragic accident. And so she was basically an orphan, and uh, this family had gone through all this adoption uh, process, and finally the day came to where they were going to fly to Haiti, and they were going to pick up their adopted daughter. And the, the writer of the story said uh, just the, the beauty of the pictures of the scene that took place there when they were united with this daughter that they had adopted uh, for the very first time. And they met her and they introduced themselves. And it was just, he said, it was such a beautiful scene. And he said, but then as they turned, they met at the airport. And then as they turned to walk down the terminal to go to catch the plane back to the United States, the little girl in what I would say was unbelievable faith and trust in these people. She was walking between them, and she took one hand and took a hold of her daddy's hand. She took her other hand, and she took a hold of her mama's hand, completely trusting that they were going to care for her and take care of her from that point forward. And they flew back to the United States, and they got back, and the family actually had a couple of other children, a couple of teenage sons that were part of the family as well. They sat down together for their first meal. Mom had cooked this incredible meal for the family and prepared pork chops and mashed potatoes and just all the fixings. The table was just filled with food, and uh, the little girl began to eat and began to watch the family eat, and she couldn't get, take her eyes off these two new teenage adopted brothers that she now has, how they were just devouring this food. And she began to watch them, and, and the mother said that she could see this, this almost look of worry start creeping over her face while she was watching them, and they ate until all of the food was gone. And the mother said, it, she, she realized, she said, it hit me what was going on and why she was so concerned. 
She was concerned that if all the food was gone, that it would be days before she would get anything else to eat or any more food. And so she took the little girl by the hand and she led her into the kitchen and she opened up the refrigerator and she showed her all the food in the refrigerator. She took her to the pantry and she opened up the pantry and and showed her all the food that was there in the pantry and assured this little girl that it would never run out. They would make sure that she was never hungry again and that they would always meet that need going forward. And as I recalled that story and thought about that, I thought, you know, friends, this is such a powerful illustration of our God, of our Father who adopted us, who has promised to take care of us and to meet our needs and to always be there for us, that Abba Father that we talk about, the Daddy Father figure that we have uh, in our Heavenly Father, our God, our Abba Father is a promise maker. He is a promise keeper and he is a need meeting God who will never let his children down. His adopted sons and adopted daughters. And it's good to see my friends back here on the front two rows. Man, I wish so bad that the rest of the people in here was as attentive as you guys and girls are. It's amazing. They all have a, a uh, clipboard. They're taking notes. It's amazing. Y'all take those notes home, show them to your parents, all right? Because some of your parents are already asleep. It's great to have you in here with us, though. But, you know, as this family promised to this little girl that they would always care for their newly adopted daughter, even more so, our Father will care for us. He will always meet our needs. And friends, you can trust Him. You can trust Him. Y'all can say amen. Y'all can wake up. I know it's kind of rainy. Yeah. But the more you say amen, the quicker we'll get out. How about that? All right. There you go. I know some of you are still in a state of shock from last week's sermon. Right? Had six points. And you would have thought that I set the church on fire, you know, because I preached a sermon with six points. You're used to three or four, you know, max. And last week I had six. And it got back to me that someone said, hey, I overheard the man and woman in front of me. I heard the man lean over to his wife and said, do you know if the preacher's going to be gone next week? And she said, I don't know. Why? And he said, because he's preaching two sermons into one. But I, I really wasn't. But since, since it seemed to be so bad and so tragic for some of you, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to preach from just one verse, all right? One verse, which I know is a huge change, and, you know, how long can we go on one verse? You know, early service wasn't long. We were just here like an hour and 15 minutes, so it's all good. I'm going to preach from one verse, and I appreciate Karen Williams so much reading our scripture Uh, as we worship this morning. And we're going to look at that verse that she closed with, Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Paul simply said this to the people that he loved dearly. He said, And my God 
will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Now, we always talk about it's important to keep things in context, to be in context, taking, you know, not just pull a verse out and, and, and you know, we need to understand the context that that verse was written in. Uh, we saw, you know, the first half of chapter 4 last week we went through. Uh, and just prior to uh, this verse right here, we see that Paul is alluding to the fact that the Philippian church had been very generous to him. And, and I couldn't help but think David, David made mention uh, that uh, this was a message that I needed today. And I tell y'all every week, every message I preach is one I need. Uh, but I, I feel so much like Paul because the Philippian church had been so generous to him. They had been so good to him. They had shown him so much love and encouragement and support. And even though he couldn't be there with them, again, he's writing this letter. He's sitting in a Roman jail. But he couldn't be with them, but they had continued to send him money uh, to support his ministry, to support his mission work, work that they couldn't be a part of, but they knew that he was being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so they were encouraging him by supporting him financially. Uh, and Paul, what he's doing here is he's thanking them for their generosity. And he also wanted them to know, you know, I'm not writing this letter to let you know that we need more money. I'm not writing this letter to, uh, to ask for money. He's writing this letter because he wants them to know how much he appreciated their support of what God was doing in and through him. And they had been a huge blessing to him. And he wanted them to experience. He wanted this church, the body of Christ, he wanted them to experience the blessing of being a blessing to him. And now we talk about this a lot. I always have that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And we, we say that a lot around here because it's so true. We are blessed to be a blessing. And before we continue in our text today, I just want to speak to this briefly this morning uh, for just a moment. As a church, we have been extremely blessed for the past several years, for many years. It's just been unbelievable what God has done through this church and how He's blessed us. And I believe that it goes back to many pastors before me, but the one that I knew the best and knew the most was Jim Sanders. And he taught us that we can outgive God. He taught us that we have been blessed to be a blessing. And He taught us this open-handed faith. And it, God has richly blessed this church because of that mindset and that mentality. Even as we went through COVID and the pandemic, I was just amazed. You know, there was, there was quite a while there where we didn't have services. Uh, and then, you know, when we came back, the crowds were so small and people were just nervous about getting back together in crowds, and rightly so. But in and through that, you know, I'm, I, I'm just thinking this is, this is going to affect us in more ways than just people. This is going to affect us. But all during that pandemic, we, we never saw our tithing uh, dip. We didn't have any financial burdens or concerns at all during that time. And it was absolutely 
amazing. And friends, we have truly experienced miraculous blessings from God because of your faithfulness to be a blessing to others. And kind of like uh, the Philippi church did with Paul. We've been able to partner with a lot of people that do ministry that we can't always be a part of. Um, we, we've been a blessing to be able to uh, partner with other people that are being the hands and feet of Jesus, doing things that you know, are not our strengths or things that we can't do as well as they do. Like I mentioned earlier, the Conway Ministry Center. This is one of the greatest ministries that we have in the state of Arkansas. And we're blessed to have them right here in Faulkner County. And, you know, uh, they, they do a tremendous work helping meet the need and to assist the homeless population that we have in Faulkner County and help to feed them. And, you know, we don't think a whole lot about homelessness being an issue in Faulkner County because we don't, we don't see it. But I've shared with you before, and the, and the last time that I checked at our school, Greenbrier Public Schools, we have over 200 students in Greenbrier Schools that are classified as homeless. Friends, that is amazing. That is alarming to me. And in Faulkner County total, in all the school districts in Faulkner County, there are over 800 students in public schools who are classified as homeless. Conway Ministry Center does a tremendous job ministering to those families and those children, and we've been blessed to be a part of that. Renewal Ranch, and then most recently, the Harbor Home, uh, we've partnered with in their ministries financially. Uh, they come here once a year. They share with us what God's doing. You always give a very generous love offering to them, and they're so grateful and thankful. But we also, as a church, send them uh, Renewal Ranch and the Harbor Home, we send them $1,500 a month each to assist them with what they're doing because what they're doing is incredible. They are helping men and women break free from addiction through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they're changing not only people, but they're making the difference in families of people every single day. And it's been a blessing uh, to partner with them. We partner with the Bethlehem House in Conway. Uh, a homeless uh, women's shelter there. And, and we have several in the church that get together and they prepare food and warm meals and they take them down there and, and sometimes they serve them uh, to the people there. Huge ministry uh, that many in our church are a part of. And we provide all that food for, for that ministry as well. For years, we have partnered with Soaring Wings. Soaring Wings is a, uh, a kid's ranch out in the Holland community. And we've partnered with them for many years. And we send them $1,500 a month to help care for numerous children that have come through their doors who have been taken away from their parents for various reasons. We've also been blessed to be able to assist other struggling churches on the North Arkansas District in the Church of Nazarene. The Nazarene. We send $1,500 extra every month to our district superintendent and told him, you use this at a church that needs help paying their pastor's salary. Because there's a lot of small churches that are just barely getting by and they can't even afford 
to pay a pastor a living wage. And so we assist them with that every single month. We have been blessed to be a blessing. And I thank you for that from the bottom of my heart. But the truth is, this past year has been hard on all of us. It's been hard on your families. The economy is just going crazy. Fuel prices, food prices, everything is just sky high. And we knew as we began to see this economic um, thing going on in our country, we knew that it probably would affect the church at some uh, point in time. But I, I shared with you last week that we have lost, in the last 18 months, we've lost 15 members of this church in death. That is the largest group that we have had in death since I have been here. 15 in the last eight months. We had another uh, precious lady pass last night, Jeanette Swain, and we'll be sending out uh, her arrangements uh, this week and let you know the plans for that. But 16 members to death over the past 18 months. That doesn't include the number of people that have actually moved away, moved out of the community, or they've changed churches, or they just stopped going to church altogether since covid and I'm so grateful that we're beginning to see our worship attendance climb again and pick back up. And uh, I've, just, I've just been overwhelmed to see how God has met that need of, uh, of people. But we are currently on track this year to bring in $100,000 less than we did last year. And so, you know, y'all know me. I'm up front. I want to be above board. Uh, I want you to know that. I want you to know that that's where we're at right now. Uh, and I'm not here to stomp on anybody's toes. I just want you to know what's going on in the church. Uh, I'm not standing here today proclaiming that the sky is falling. Uh, I'm not here proclaiming today that you should get a new pastor that could do better. I'm not definitely not suggesting that. Uh, we have been very blessed to this point to be a blessing to so many other people. But friends, y'all know as well as I do from a practical side, as your pastor, I need you to know that we cannot continue to do what we have done in the past until we see this trend change. Uh, we, we just have to be... Um, we have to do what is best with the tithes and the offerings that are coming in here. And it affects not only these ministries that I mentioned, but it also affects some of the ministries that we do right here in our church. And I know our economy is a mess. I know things are getting tight for you uh, and your families. I get it. But I also know what God has called us to do as the body of Christ. To continue His work. To continue to build the kingdom. To continue to love our neighbors. So as a church family, I just want you to be aware of our situation, and I want to ask you to pray about how God might use you to be a blessing to others so that we can continue the good work uh, that He is doing, not only in our church, but also in these other ministries that we partner with as well. I'm not worried. I'm a little worried. <laughs> I'm trying my best not to worry because I know that this verse right here 
is just as true for us today as it was the Philippi church when Paul wrote it to them. But as your pastor, I just want to always be honest with you and above board and let you know what's going on. Oh, and you can drop your tithes and your offerings in the black boxes on your way out. Maybe some people thought we just didn't do that anymore, and, but uh, we do. Or you can give online. Anyway, we're going to move on. Here's the deal. Paul wasn't just grateful for their monetary support. All right, He wasn't just grateful for that. He was most grateful just for the love and the devotion that they had shown to him. They had blessed him. And, and God had, through, through what God had done through them in his ministry and in his life, God had been honored by that, and the church would be blessed in return. And that's the point. We can have joy. We can have joy because we can be confident that God will always sustain and always meet our needs. There's, there's such joy in having confidence in our Heavenly Father, knowing He's got this. Friends, there's joy in that. There's peace in that. There's relief from worry in that. Relief from stress in that. We can trust Him. And so this one verse that we're going to look at this morning, real quickly... I only found four points in this one verse this morning. Can you believe it? Not six, just four. Amen? First one is this. We can trust God because He is God. All right? Paul says, my God, not God with a little g, right? But the God with a capital G, the one true God who is Lord of of all. He is Lord over all. He's the God of creation. He's the God of this universe. He is the maker of life, and He is the sustainer of life. That's my God, Paul says. He's my God. And and, and Paul is saying by saying that, it's personal. He's not just saying He's your God. He's, he's He's my God. Paul is saying here, don't miss this, I am His, and He is mine. Friends, there's joy in knowing that today, amen? (laughs) There's joy in that, I promise you. It's there somewhere. If you just try hard enough, you'll find it. I am His, and He is mine. And you see, there's a lot of people that know about God today, and they think because they know about God, that they know God, but there's a lot of people that know about Him that don't really know Him, and therefore they can never experience the joy that is found in Him. David said in Psalm 16 too, he said, You are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Wow. Apart from God, we have no good thing. Our God is unique, friends. He's unique from all uh, the other little G gods that this world is chasing, that this world is working after, that this world's trying to buy. Our, our God is so different from all the other gods that people are worshiping these days. My God is omniscient. 
And we talked about this the other day. We use a lot of words in the church that people sometimes don't understand. And so we defined these uh, terms a few weeks ago. But our God is omniscient, which means this. He is all-knowing, He is all-wise, and He is all-seeing. That's my God. That's your God if you're in a relationship with Him. My God is omnipresent, which means what? He is present everywhere. All at the same time. Wherever you are, there He is. You can't escape Him. You can't get away from Him. My God is omnipotent, which means He has unlimited power. My God has unlimited power. Your God, if you know Him and are in right relationship with Him, has unlimited power to be used on your behalf. And friends, there is not one thing that He cannot do. Not one thing. No other God has these qualities. No other God except my God. My God is love. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8 simply tells us that God is love. He is loving. He is compassionate. He is kind. He greatly cares about every single human being that He created even before He knit them together in their mother's womb. He knew us and He loved us. Psalm 86 and 15, uh, the psalmist writes, But you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy. You're slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Friends, that's my God. That's your God. Psalm 145, 8, the Lord is gracious and compassionate. That's who He is. And because of that, we can have joy in that. Because we can trust Him. Because we know of who our God is. The second reason we see here that we can trust Him is because He guarantees. He makes us a promise. He will meet all your needs. What a promise, right? What a guarantee. And and don't get me wrong, this isn't some kind of... Uh, you know, Santa Claus God. This isn't a blank check offer or or a promise of material prosperity. Uh, This isn't a name it and claim it verse. All right? Uh, That's not what it is. Uh, You know, it's not that, you know, sometimes we think we need something when it's not really what we need. It's just what we want. You know, sometimes we'll be uh, driving by the car lot and we'll say, boy, I need that new car, right? Or I, I, I need to live in that neighborhood. Or I, I need to go to that school. Or I need that spot on the team. Or I need that bass boat. Right? If you need a bass boat, I got one for sale. Just saying, if you need one, uh, I can help you out with that. But you know, a lot of times what we think are needs are not really needs. They're just wants. Friends, we can't just yank this verse out of context, put it on a t-shirt, or put it on a coffee mug, and hold it over God's head and say, you promised. Right? Yes, this is a promise from God. But it's a conditional promise from God. Right? If you will trust God as your Abba, Father, if you will trust God like the little girl, the trust that it must have taken for her to reach up and take the hands of these new parents that she did not know and had never met before. If you have a trust like that in God, this is a promise for you. If you'll trust Him as your Abba, Father, if you will honor Him. And yes, to honor God Yes, it even means to honor Him with our finances as well. When we honor God, He will meet 
our needs. And Paul was saying to them, you met one of my needs. You met one of my needs financially. You met my need. But because it honored God, God's going to meet all your needs. Because He was honored. The Greek word that's used here literally means to fill up completely. Right? Every, every kid here this morning got a trick-or-treat basket that uh, uh, they're going to have uh, come uh, two weeks from today. And they're going to want what? It filled up completely. As my kids' parents, I wanted that thing filled up completely, right? Because I love candy too. And so I'd take the dad tax. Some of y'all know what the dad tax is out of their candy. But that word means to fill up completely, to provide fully. Friends, that's what God will do for you if you are His child. If you are trusting Him. And if you're honoring Him. And friends, there's joy in that. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Third reason we can trust Him is because He's got the resources. Right? Paul alludes to according to the riches of His glory. The most interesting thing happened during the pandemic. Our government just started sending out free checks. A lot of you got them, right? And... and, and <laughs> Believe me, I know some of you didn't vote for him, but you got the check and you cashed it, right? Um, and so all these checks started coming in and they, they wanted you know, us to have money so that we would stimulate the economy and all these things. But I, I don't know about it in y'all's house, but when those checks started coming in and people started telling me how much their check was and then how much their check was and you know, begin to see all this money showing up in everybody's pockets, I'm sure you asked, the same question I asked. Where did that money come from? <laughs> Where did they get that much money? Right? Who, who did they, who, who's going to pay for all this? And then it hit me. I know who's going to pay for all this. Right? We're really paying for all this. So how are we going to pay for all this? And so all these questions about where it came from and how much is there and how we're going to pay it back and all those things. Friends, we don't have to wonder about those kinds of questions when it comes to God. <laughs> right? Because He's got unlimited resource. When He guarantees to supply every need that we have, we have to understand one thing. He is the King above all kings. He is the, the, not only the King of kings, but the Lord of lords. He is the Lord over all. All He has unending resources to take care of us. And His resources are not just like some stimulus check or some temporary fix to help us get by in the moment. Think about it. The source of God's bank account is His own riches in glory. Amen? My God owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. I don't know about yours. My God owns all the oil in every oil field all around this world. That's my God. My God owns all the diamonds that have ever been created, dug up, or made in this world. My God has it all. He owns it all. He owns every ounce of gold in every gold mine. My God owns every penny in every bank account in the world. There is no such thing as a recession in God's economy. There's no such thing as a recession with my God. There's no such thing as a shortage 
with my God. So you and I, we can have joy in the complete confidence that our God will supply because we know He's got unlimited resources and unlimited power. And then the fourth and final thing. See, that's real quick, wasn't it? The fourth and final thing that we see here is this. We can trust Him because He gave us His Son. We can trust Him because He gave us His Son. Paul says in Christ Jesus. We can trust Him because He is God. We can trust Him because He guarantees and He promises us He can be trusted. We can trust Him because He's got all the resources to do it. But the greatest reason that we have, that we can trust our God, is because He sent His Son Jesus to die for us on the cross of Calvary. John 3.16, one of the most famous Bible verses in all the world. It's the most often memorized. It's the most cherished verse in the Bible. I'm going to say you could probably go to work or school or wherever it is that you go tomorrow, and you could probably ask everybody that you came in contact with, even if they don't go to church, if they knew John 3.16. And the majority of the people around this world have that verse in their memory bank, etched in their heart and in their mind. Why? Because here's the deal, friends. It incorporates the entire theme of God and His Word. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Packed into this one verse are the greatest realities that exist for any human being. God, love, the entire world, the Son of God, belief, perishing forever. Or living forever. And then the whosoever. Or whoever in this verse. You see that could be you. Or not you. It's totally up to you. These are the greatest things that can be. What in this world could be more important than that? Friends, what in this world could be more important for you than, know, than to know where you stand in relationship with God and what He says to us here in this verse? Max Lucado, in one of his books called Grace for the Moment, he shared this quote in his book. He said, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. Economist? I don't know. 
But lucky for us, he goes on to say, but since our greatest need was forgiveness, he sent us a Savior. And friends, it is only through that Savior that you can ever experience joy in your life and in your heart. In the third century, kids, you know how long ago the third century was? Long time ago. Your mom and daddy were there. No, they weren't. Third century. We're in the what, 21st? Yeah. Yeah, so eight, yeah, y'all are better at math than me. Yay, Greenbrier. Woohoo! Awesome. Long time ago. And this doesn't sound much different than the world we're living in today, but a, a fellow named Cyprian, he was the Bishop of Carthage, he wrote this to his friend Donatus. I don't know why they had to have weird names, they just did. But here's what he wrote. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any of the pleasures of our sinful life. They are despised, they're persecuted, but they don't care. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people, Donatus, are Christians. And I am one of them. Can I ask you today, have you found the joy? Have you experienced the joy in your life which is a thousand times better than any of the pleasures of your sinful life. If not today, I ask you one last time, choose Jesus and choose joy. And it's been my prayer for you and it's been my prayer for me as well over these past few weeks that we will experience joy in the Lord, and that you are joining me in choosing that joy. As we close this morning, I want to close with a time of prayer and give you an opportunity to come and pray if there's something you would like to come and pray about, maybe a life situation, maybe praying for someone else, maybe God's just impressed upon your heart to come to this altar and come before him maybe you're here today and you've never experienced that joy because you've never really experienced Jesus and that's a decision that you need to make today maybe you'd like to come but this morning we have boy, we have a church family that's just hurting uh, it's an unbelievable few years uh, a lot I can't even share or ever share from this platform so many people in our church are hurting. So I would ask that you would join me in praying for the Swain family.
the Riddle family. We shared with you a few weeks ago that Ron Riddle's granddaughter had gone into a diabetic coma, 10 years old, 10-year-old little girl, precious little girl, and uh, she passed on Friday. I can't imagine. The Riddle's part of us, and we're part of them. Brantford Richard Snuggs is going to have some procedures done tomorrow. Randy Livingston, who's undergoing treatment for cancer. David Kane, David's good to see you. I don't know where he went. So good to see David back with us today. So many in our church are going through difficult times, maybe with parents, family situations, marriages, finances. I would ask you this morning to uh, join me as we gather around the throne of the healer and the comforter. Dear God, I first just want to thank you for this reminder today of who you are, who you are to me. And I thank you for doing what you have done in my life so that I could say without reservation or without doubt today, you are my God. I know what Paul was feeling as he wrote to these people that he loved and he cherished and I can't imagine being in the situation that he was in to be separated from them and go through what he's going through. But God, I thank you for this family of God that you've given me, for this church, this small piece of the body of Christ. I thank you for what they mean to me and my family and how you've blessed me. And how you blessed us together, corporately. And God, I'm going to go ahead and thank you for how you're going to bless us in the days ahead. Because I know these people are going to live lives. And live their lives in a way that it honors you. And when you're honored, the blessings flow. And you will meet all of our needs. So we give them to you today, God. There's so many that represent this altar today, so many in our church that are struggling, so many that are hurting. God, my prayer is that you would just draw them, especially close today, especially Zach and all the Swain family and the Riddle family. God, I can't even imagine. But you can. You lost a son. (laughs) But in you we have hope. In your son, we have hope. That there's a resurrection coming. (laughs) There's a resurrection coming for Cash Riddle. There's a resurrection coming for the saints of this church that have gone, that were so faithful and gave of themselves sacrificially so that the ministries of this church could go on. And I thank you for their faithfulness. 
I thank you that today they're in your presence. God, I pray today that you would heal our land. That you would heal broken hearts. That you would heal the body of Christ. That the spirit of division that's sweeping over our nation, the spirit of thinking it's all about us, God, that we would put you on the throne and take ourselves off the throne. Help us as the church to get that right so other people would see what that looks like and what it's supposed to look like. God, I pray for those here this morning that are broken hearted. You know every situation. You know exactly what's going on. So God, I just pray that you would do what only you could do. But God, sometimes what you can do is to work through us. And so I pray that we'd be available. We'd be aware of when you're speaking to us about helping someone that's broken and how to do that. God, I know that we can do it with your help through the Holy Spirit. God, I also just want to again pray for the other churches that we're in this mission together with. All up and down this highway, all around this community, all around this county, all over this state, all over this world. We have brothers and sisters in our family that are doing their best to build the kingdom of God. Bless their efforts, God. Give them fruit for their labor. Meet all their needs so that you would be honored and you would be known. God, again, I want to thank you for what you've done in the past, for what you're doing here today and what you're going to do in the days ahead as we go into this world and represent you our father our dad that adopted us into his family we love you so much thank you for the love that you've shown us and it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things